True that, Ramesh. I mean, it's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? Even if it's a mother's perspective, and you do know that the beauty business is going through the roof, and that's why we're talking beauty. Good Glam became India's first beauty unicorn with a 1.1 billion valuation, and today we're very proud to have on the show the lady who's heading it. Yeah, she uh, she's now heading South Asia's largest D2C beauty house. Those are brands that brings together content, social innovation, and fast-growing uh, beauty and personal care, and the baby care products too. Powered by the groups. ecosystem of content uh, and creator assets please welcome sukleen aneja ceo of the fncg and beauty business at good glam uh, hi sukleen uh, nice to meet you hope all well very well it's a pleasure for me to be amongst your company and great to catch up with you ramesh and rishikesh great sukleen let's start with you telling us what are the brands that come under the good glam group umbrella if you could name all the beauty and personal care brands and in beauty and personal care we'll we'll come to the influencer and digital audience later under beauty and personal care what each one is known for that would be great wonderful so the entire good glam group started with the founder darpan who had built my glam so my glam is a formidable cosmetic brand it's a makeup and skincare brand and with a huge ambition for being at least amongst the top 5 players in india aside from my glam we have a business in personal care dominating skin and hair so we have brands like momsco which is where the ambition is clearly to be the first brand of choice for mom and baby we have baby chakra which is a new brand that we are creating given the fact that we have a fantastic platform of parenting which already exists then there's organic harvest which is a organic skincare and hair care brand then we have within the portfolio serona which is a feminine hygiene product brand where you have products for menstrual hygiene intimate hygiene and even now sexual wellness so that's largely the portfolio that we have last not the least is the brand called saint botanica which is a brand built on natural exotic ingredients like moroccan argan biotin and collagen again which plays in the realm of premium natural hair care and it also has skin and wellness products so it's a quite a comprehensive portfolio of beauty and personal care and very soon we'll also be making a foray in men's grooming so that really makes us a very very holistic beauty and personal care com- company with products across baby skin hair and men you also have the influencer platform right let's look at the influencer companies that the group is invested in and and what those influencer companies actually bring to the table as far as the company is concerned so we have a fantastic platform with popexo there is scoopop we've recently brought miss malini into the fold these organizations together like especially popexo they give us fantastic reach there is a holy trinity that this is probably one what i would call is the moat for the organization what sets us apart compared to any other bpc company of this nature a we are a business that's building superior brands leveraging the holy trinity of content influencer and commerce so you have 
platforms where you are generating content, using influencers to recommend those, and eventually looking at transactions for brands which are offering products today in niches where those unmet needs were not being served. So in that context, it allows us to even understand our consumers through the entire consumer journey from what she reads, who influences her and how she finally buys the products. Okay, so that's influencer companies. Your digital audience, Sukhli, all the platforms and networks that are part of the Good Glam Group. And again, what each platform and community is known for. What are the kind of numbers and users we're talking about if you go platform by platform or network by network? See, all the numbers are already in public domain, right? Our reach is very large, right? So we are today, through all our platforms, able to reach over 200 million people. So now the fact of the matter is, where is the joy for the brands? The joy really is in our ability to be able to A, understand our audiences, which is where having digitally native brands where you understand their full consumer funnel online actually allows you to understand your consumer from what she browses, what she searches, and especially when no one's watching her. And then how do we serve those unmet needs through the brands and products that we create? The second opportunity for us really is to actually scale these businesses in omnichannel where we have the opportunity of now taking some of these brands to offline because fundamentally consumers transact both offline and online and brands are really built when you are actually able to perverse through the entire ecosystem. So I think to that extent, the massive opportunity ahead of us is to create the Unilever for this century and a company that is built on digital assets first with tech at the heart of it and consumers at the heart of it. So what doesn't change is our desire to create superior brands and sell amazing products. But what changes is how we transact with consumers and how intimately do we know them, keeping tech at the heart of it. Yeah, building the next Unilever, I like that. Inshallah. I think there's also social consciousness to the to the good in the good glam group, uh, especially as regards your beauty products and also the content that you create uh, through your content creators, right? Tell us about that. So, in fact, the social consciousness that you're talking of is with respect to the products that we make. So here, Ramesh, I think if you look at the, the journey of the brands that we have within the portfolio, all the brands that we have within the group are fundamentally new age brands built on cruelty-free vegan products, ensuring that there's no animal testing, ensuring that the ingredients that are being used are absolutely superior, whether they are organic or they are eco-certified or products that are being brought in from international markets to serve Indian needs, where again, the technology is really ahead of the curve. So to that extent, across the product range, you will find this is one common thread that runs across from buying Manish Malhotra makeup to buying Organic Harvest or the Momsco. That's the one thing that the brand promises and the group promises across the range. And I think that's the need of the hour as well. You know, it's important that newer brands embrace what needs to be the future, right? Because it's a lot harder for traditional brands to evolve, but newer brands can always begin their journey, ensuring that we take all the trends for the future into consideration. There's no, there's no baggage, as it were. Okay, let's take a look at uh, your own investors. Who are the marquee equity investors, Sukhleen, who are backing the, the Good Glam Group? So we are very privileged to have a very, very impressive lineup of investors. And I think it's a big stamp of their faith in the organization, as well as their guidance is very, very helpful as you grow the organization. So we have Amazon, Basimer, Warburg Pincus, Naspers, the L'Occitane Group, Wipro. They've been all very, very key partners. Axel, Ascent. I think the lineup is a large lineup of investors who are helping us build this business, not just as value investors, but also as thought leaders. 
Great, fabulous. That's a that's a fabulous lineup. So, so how do you see your role as the CEO of this beauty business? Thank you know there are founders there. They have built these businesses over periods of time. And how do you see yourself uh, coming in and and taking it to the next level? You know, zero to one has been done. Now, what's the next step? See, Ramesh is a great question. So. The founders today are probably masters of zero to one, right? And the very fact that you bring in a professional CEO at a point when the company reaches a scale, where really the next step is to scale up and build an institution. I think that's really where I personally feel me together with my team can add immense value. And I think how I see my role, there's only one word for it, which is called partnership, right? How do I help them succeed? Because eventually, if we succeed, we'll all win. So. I definitely see my role as an enabler to a vision that they have created, and in simply by helping them scale through, finding synergies, cost optimizations, and more than anything else, creating the processes that allows us to use scale to our advantage. But I think the only way we will also, and frankly, if you ask me, our secret sauce is our founders. The passion for building a brand comes from a one man's vision or a team's vision, and I think that is one thing that I really wish to be able to retain. through all the businesses that we build because it's that passion that defines the difference between the brands that are loved by consumers versus plethora of mass manufactured products that exist okay so clean uh, minding my business the ceo story this radio show this podcast is also about going beyond the brands and talking about the business leaders journey you know mm-hmm. so that it's not just pure current brand speak I was just telling Ramesh uh, before we started that I was reading up on you. You have a solid background, nearly two decades of FMCG beauty experience. Let's talk about your most recent role, which is leading market operations for Rekit's hygiene portfolio across South Asia. I believe you were the force behind many award-winning campaigns. Could you kind of talk us through those campaigns and also your learnings in that role? Just as you asked this question, and just last week we got awarded from President of India. Ramnath Kovil, the award for Mission Pani, right? And I think that probably is the work that I'm probably the most proud of, if you ask me, in my entire two decades of having worked, right? Because if you actually see the journey on any brand, right, it takes it takes a combined passion of many partners who come together to break new ground, right? But it fundamentally it starts with having a vision. Otherwise, either you can continue to drive incrementality, but the only way you're able to drive exponential growths or create a new vision is when you're at least willing to accept that let's break new ground, right? Which of course entails taking risks. Sometimes those risks are very rewarding, and sometimes they're not. But I think what is always rewarding is the learning through the process, right? So if I look at my last stint i think the work that we did perhaps on harpic is the work again although a large part of my career was in beauty and personal care it's the first time i'd handled home and hygiene but i can say in the last 4 years it was heartening to see the way we built harpic it was absolute serendipity when prime minister of india in 2015 gave the clarion call for building a 100 million new toilets in india the very fact that that kind of investment had come to india from world bank probably the largest the world has ever seen on a sanitation project in any country how do manufacturers of products actually take that as an opportunity to partner with the government to be able to drive the sanitation agenda and i think the consumer insight that was extremely pertinent in that is that irrespective of infrastructure unless there is a change in habit you don't see category adoption and a prime example of that is bangladesh a neighboring country of ours where 25 years ago they had eradicated open defecation while we were still struggling with it right despite the toilets being constructed you still saw many people defecating in the open right and i think a large part of that is habit formation and unless we spend 
a significant amount of our effort in creating the habits behavior change doesn't happen and product adoption is a small subset of that so i think if i see in the last 4 years the work that i am immensely proud of is on hartwick the way through our multi campaign approach we had driven number 1 the objective of being able to educate consumers on superiority of the product versus the generics that they were using but i think the game changer was really the campaign that we did for rural india where we saw the penetration over 4 years jump from nearly 5% to 25% of india which for a country of our size where two third of the households in india are all in rural right if I, if you look at the 300 million households in india nearly 200 million of those are sitting in rural india it's a huge delta shift and one of the ways in which we were able to do that was to use thought leaders within the community which is either a bride a teacher a journalist as our vehicles for helping them embrace new habits because this is not a passed down habit that many of us in rural india have embraced from our parents up to now right so when you have to seed a new habit it requires a lot of change in cultural decoding and i think that kind of work when you're able to go down into the heartland of the country and see product adoption then you realize you're really starting to shift the needle on mindsets because just the fact that you use a product that is a germ killing product in a category where there is a high incidence of germs which are there the fact that you're using and embracing a product which is antibacterial allows you to also prevent diseases improve health within a community and improve the overall impact but just adoption of one product can have that kind of cascading effect but if seeded right so i think that journey for a marketer is a very rewarding journey when you're able to see behavior shift and that's how it had been for me fabulous i mean that's something we're all really proud of and and we love those campaigns uh, you also mentioned people and partnering with with your teams and founders and so on you've successfully managed diverse sort of multicultural teams in both marketing and global innovations both for Ericket uh, at Unilever at L'Oreal uh, so your what's your secret sauce when when it comes to you know handling people being a strong people leader and 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 mentoring diverse multicultural talent you know which the secret sauce i followed is a win win you know just being able to find a collective win win and not look at it only as a one man's agenda you know just ensuring that you have enough empathy to understand where the other person's coming from and to be able to create a larger purpose that is co-created it's a shared purpose which is co-owned because honestly if you look at any fantastic work that happens it's never done by an individual there's always a collective team and even if we see today many of us winning and succeeding in the jobs that we do a lot of us have a fantastic team behind us right and unless you are someone who's passionate about building those teams and ensuring that everybody in that process wins it's very difficult to drive collaboration so how do you really find a story that can be co-owned collectively where glory is for everyone and where there's a win-win for everyone while being empathetic on things which are genuine challenges for the stakeholders involved right as long as those two variables are kept in mind you can see a lot of collaboration happen at a peer level at a agency level at a stakeholder level it's truly about building partnerships Okay, you know, I I looked through your list of accolades and you've been recognized with the ET 40 under 40 impact top 50 most influential women in business uh, 2019 so many other top awards as a woman at the helm of creating strong and iconic digital first brands my question to you is does it feel empowering and most importantly has the glass ceiling truly been shattered uh, Sukleen talk about being a woman achiever in business and challenges if there are any You know I think all of us would be probably shattering that glass ceiling every day right and that journey never stops it is something that 
all of us would continue to do i think it's been a humbling experience to have had an opportunity to have collaborated with some amazing leaders which have who've added immensely to my own personal journey was it easy or difficult i would say every day there is some struggle or the other that you have to learn to deal with because the truth is yeah today i took up this assignment you know in december coming out of my maternity leave right i'd become a mom of two so today if you ask me my single biggest challenge as a mother of twins who are not even one year old you know is to actually be able to say how do you juggle two responsibilities and do justice to both so i think as you grow in your career there are challenges that are there within the organizations where you're trying to find a space for yourself and then there are also going to be challenges which most women leaders will face as they grow in their careers when personal priorities are also priorities that require a lot of balancing right and i think in that journey i would say i've been immensely lucky and grateful to all the leaders who worked with me to have given me the space to grow while supporting me in areas and times when i needed it and you know and that's precisely where i feel i just wish many 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 of us have that opportunity and we can do the same for others because at different points of time women do have more priorities to juggle than our male counterparts right and i think in those times the very fact that you have support that comes through whether it's with respect to flexibility or or policies that enable you to take time off i think some of those things definitely make it easier and i can say this truthfully right like if i look at today having joined a startup a startup post covid in the post covid world right and not just a startup i'm saying today across organizations in the post covid world somewhere that obsession for presenteeism has gone down there's a lot more trust that has been built because eventually people are saying if work is happening it doesn't really matter where you're working from right people are today raising funds sitting in singapore sitting in dubai and yet the business is built in india so i think a lot of that insecurity that existed in the past has actually gone away in the post covid world because people have also experienced and i'm saying this across that virtual work does happen and happens brilliantly but does not mean that you take away the importance of physically meeting people but today the flexibility is probably enabling a lot of women to be able to juggle multiple hats you know and in that context i think i've been pretty fortunate to have had supportive organizations and supportive leaders who've helped me in my career you know that that's inspirational and i'm sure a lot of our listeners would love what they've to sort of go back and listen to what you've said just now uh let's talk about the beauty and personal care uh you know category you think there's a lot that happened online in the last couple of years or last few years in in that category you think it's still under leveraged uh there are opportunities there or is it that all of us all of you have to go physical to take it take it wider and take it deeper or and and what's your uh, strategy going to be in terms of the digital and content ecosystem to support this I think Ramesh look at the headroom for growth right the headroom for growth is massive in a country like ours post the data pricing dropping the kind of internet penetration and data availability and mobile penetration that we have is second to none right it's almost universal yet the beauty and personal care penetration probably make up as high as 25 rest of beauty and personal care still under 10 and in most categories under 5 so i think the headroom for growth is massive on the online platforms alone right Second thing which I think the online world's managed to do is it has really democratized access right today you are sitting in a raipur being able to buy a manish malhotra or a my glam which otherwise you would have probably had 6 7 10 15 or even 1000 stores right but the very fact that you can be location agnostic in buying brands in a democratic fashion to that extent online is a huge game changer so i would say number one is the headroom for growth which comes from indexing the beauty and personal care penetration to mobile penetration the delta difference is already 6 to 7 times number 2 is the omni channel strategy where you still have an opportunity to build brands dominating both 
So you have today brands that are much stronger on offline who have the opportunity to penetrate deeper online and vice versa, right? And I think the third opportunity really is to see new categories and create new categories, leveraging content, you know, so the very fact that you can be reading about a concern and a pop out can actually make you transact. It is a completely different way of transacting, right? So to that extent, I think I have an exciting roadmap ahead where the headroom for growth is massive. The opportunity to cross sell, upsell is massive. I think the real game changer for us is really how well do we execute and leverage the opportunities that exist, right? So I think that's really where all of us can make the greatest difference. I'm sure lots of young ladies out there think of you as their role model. More so now having listened to you, would you pick out two women for us who you think have been role models for you personally and professionally? You know, one, of course, I mean, I think most women you would ask, I think they, we all tend to hero our moms, right? So I think my number one role model has been my mother. And she was a single parent who raised me. And uh, she was extremely, I lost her last two years ago. So if I speak of her very fondly with the respect of having instilled a work ethic and a passion for working. She was someone who was a professor who was teaching English and history to senior classes, but extremely passionate till she retired, the passion to come teach, educate and the excitement of teaching students every day, even though you say the same syllabus day in and day out, right? So I think the first experience of loving what you do is what I learned from my mom. And I'm saying this genuinely is not just a role model. I always value women who give advice that can make a meaningful difference to someone's life, right? And I think for me, that was Irina Vittal. She was someone who I have reached out to for advice at many interesting stages of life as a mentor. And I think her advice has really helped me in good stead. You know, whether it's about making a big jump or not holding yourself back or just setting yourself free from self-doubt, right? I think that advice has helped me in such good stead. And also, you know, when you look at people's journeys in the kind of impacts that they're able to make, not just as professionals who've contributed, but also in board roles where you continue to advise and mentor. I think her journey really inspires me, you know, where every day you're touching a life and trying to make a difference. So I think to that extent, uh, I would really look at these two women as women I have loved and idolized. Inspirational. Uh, so what's your advice to young women other than what you already said? Is there anything that you have for young women who are either starting their careers, working, working up their careers, or facing those challenges every day or planning to join your industry? You know, Amish, I'll give a advice which is, uh, you know, industry agnostic. This is more, you know, because the greatest challenges that you face are all here or here. They're not really in what you do. It's, you know, it's how you feel, right? So I would say in my journey, there are many a times where, you know, you tend to let the fear take the better of you. So I think the more openly you're able to embrace being uncomfortable and actually recognize the fact that there is truly a magic that lies when you allow yourself to be uncomfortable, right? And sometimes just embracing ambiguity and not worrying so much about the outcomes actually sets you free and allows you to make better decisions, right? When you obsess too much about the outcomes, fear takes the better of you. But if you just allow yourself to enjoy the journey, the outcomes have a tendency to surprise you. And if I may say so, delight you. The second thing that I would say is, and I really mean it, and I would say it openly to anyone and everyone who's listening, just Embrace your vulnerability. You know, there's no shame in accepting that maybe you don't know something or maybe you really need help, right? So a lot of times I think we put place too much importance on trying to be a superhero, but there's no need, right? You're, it's all right if you can't strive for perfection every day, you know? Just ask for help and build teams, you know, whether it's in your personal life or professional life, but 
really keep that teamwork principle in mind because no one can achieve anything alone even raising a child you know you need many 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 people to come together so that we can all succeed right so embrace and ask for help where you need it and also extend the same olive branch to others when they do as well so nice okay you briefly mentioned manish malhotra so i'm going to dive straight into it right now and get into the specifics and the details you launched uh, manish malhotra the celebrity fashion designer his hot couture makeup range and it's called mmb which is manish malhotra beauty so let's talk a little bit about that how do you approach a pricing strategy for a brand and product range for mmb manish malhotra beauty so yeah this has been a very uh, conscious strategy as well as a uh, you know so if you look at any category fundamentally you've got to play the entire price piano because in a country as diverse as ours you do want to address all demographics and also all psychographics so we have if we look at the total paid portfolio a fantastic line of makeup called popexo you know which is truly targeting the teenage pocket friendly crowd then you upgrade consumers into my glam which is our flagship makeup brand and right on the top is where we have a hot couturist like manish with whom we've got a luxury line of makeup because today if you look at a country like ours probably the one or two designers that are globally renowned for being couturist or luxury wedding designers manish would be amongst the top 2 or 3 names that come to india right and for a designer who understands india indian colors fashion and trends so well what makeup allows you to do is create access of affordable luxury right it's no different from how internationally premium luxury couture brands are creating makeup lines so that those who can't afford a Tom Ford can at least afford a Tom Ford lipstick or those who cannot afford an Armani but at least have the chance to buy an Armani lipstick and likewise in India i think this was quite a pioneering act of being able to collaborate with a designer at such a scale to create Manish Malhotra line of makeup and skincare where across India or online you can actually get a flavor of luxury through his line of products and the beauty is we co-create that entire range with him in line with his fashion forecast and his trends so his collections and the makeup line work in tandem and then therefore from a pricing standpoint that becomes your luxury makeup line but of course not luxury by the market definition of luxury this would still be at 1000 plus which from a market standpoint will be no different from a l'oreal pricing so you do want to make sure that it remains accessible for the belly of the market great so just to get to consumers consumers are getting more discerning they have more variety available they have multiple options online offline and proliferation of brands across categories i mean the number of startups that have opened in this space how do you see the the beauty and fashion uh, space evolving in these times and 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 what will be the the landscape maybe 3 years from now 4 years from now I think Amish, there's never going to be a better time, if you ask me, than for consumers who are going to be those who are born in the 90s and the 2000s, for the kind of world they will embrace and experience, right? Because we were still part of the post-liberalization era where we really saw new brands coming in, first time trying of brands. But this generation is actually going to be going behind new and different. You know, no two people will be seen using the same brands. So I think in the coming era, I think this is probably the best time for SMEs in fashion. to create their own lines i think what instagram has been able to do is to allow so many new businesses to be built by just posting a picture right so from a fashion perspective this is going to be an explosion of choice right when i look at beauty and personal care again i think there is a large amount of consumers who today want to experiment and give new brands a chance right and i think the big difference in how we are interacting with brands as well is to say all of us are different and we gravitate towards some things more than others right hence what will actually get consumers to have loyalty of fantastic products because eventually what you recommend to a friend is a product experience 
that was wow right and brands eventually just make it easier for you to purchase so i think there's going to be an explosion of choice many many new brands and many new age brands being built and i think in that context it's going to put a lot of pressure on traditional brands to continue to stay contemporary but if you look at the opportunity i think that it throws open an immensely large opportunity for entrepreneurs today to be able to serve niches which was something today a large manufacturer was never thinking of doing right when you would look at a niche and you'd say oh the size and scale is not good enough for us to pursue and today when an entrepreneur looks at it and says wow he's never going to pursue it i'm going to jump at it so i think it can creates a landscape of choice that never existed before Okay, I'm just going to come back to that Manish Malhotra beauty thing uh, because there is something that intrigues me. So allow me to. In an area where the focus so clean is more on social media, OTT platforms, what made you launch a TVC for Manish Malhotra beauty? What was the the reason or the inspiration behind it? I think the biggest reason was to was to also democratize access of the makeup line itself, right? See, I'll tell you the biggest reason why any makeup brand does larger than life advertising. And I'm not only speaking for Manish. Even when you'll see extreme luxury brands abroad, you will see a Lancome being advertised on TV or on large billboards because beauty builds aspiration. Aspirations typically is difficult to be built on a small real estate. You do want to build looks, colors, fashion and be able to show on a large screen how aspiration is being created. right so in that context it may seem very counterintuitive for us to be able to put a expensive manish malhotra makeup line but the kind of equity and halo it has on the my glam portfolio is massive second thing that it does for us is also be able to demonstrate to consumers because see manish malhotra by itself is a large brand right but makeup within that is a subset so it is important for consumers to know that manish does have a makeup line which today many people can access And you know the other big driver for us when we started on this journey is also who's buying us. The very fact that there is so much demand that comes from tier two, tier three India, it is an opportunity to be leveraged the moment you actually go on mass media, right? And it is a fundamentally a my glam brand. So all the daughter brands fundamentally nourish the mother brand, which is my glam. So that was really the intent behind giving this a shot. Let me ask you a little. Uh... something little more controversial all of us have gone through these careers where you know you spent 10 20 years uh, building your uh, career through sales marketing and so on this is a traditional way of doing it right and then there are a lot of these people who are suddenly becoming business leaders in at a very young age how are the two go- two going to survive and 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 what's going to happen in this space so when you're talking of the latter you're talking of founders who are growing to be yeah founders you know you're not working with you know the the old inspirational leaders that you were talking about earlier but you're really working with young founders now suddenly for ramesh you have no idea how liberating that is as well right yeah. because you know why i think there is a certain excitement and exuberance of youth right where the risk appetite is much larger the audacity is much more right so if i look at my initial phase of my career huge gratitude to the learning but there the entire impetus was to build institutions a hindustan lever a tatas they all institutions today when you work with young founders they are all working with an insurgent mindset they're looking for niches they're looking for aggressive growths they have audacity that i've never experienced before so if you ask me what blows my mind with working with founders across is the audacity of thinking right so if i even look at my own team internally from adar point to malika to adeep all the founders who we who we are working with my own boss right i think it excites you the moment someone is able to put such a tall task right where you're like whoa can that even happen and then you're like why not and guess what it actually happens and then you know what the beauty is people sometimes will tell you that don't ask me how but it'll just happen and guess what it does because there is a collective passion of so many people who believe in the goal you know and are not wedded to getting overwhelmed by it 
but are actually excited about saying oh boy we can do this but that that's where i would tell you ramesh there is a different fabric of the startup crowd which is very different from the fabric of a traditional company crowd right i would say a slice of population is able to make that switch because you have to come with a mindset of a late stage founder but there is a founders mentality so you know like how jamalan says that there is truly an insurgent mindset there is a founders mentality which forces you to say i can actually sweep the floor and be the ceo but i can do it all i will do what needs to be done i'll fit the nuts and bolts but we've got to make the machinery run because there's no shame right it's a very different mindset from sitting in a meeting and saying okay guys show me your plan you know and i think it's also liberating if you ask me i think the audacity of the vision is very very empowering and it's a different flavor of an ice cream yeah you cannot compare the two <laughs> right so you've got to probably experience both you do need to try different flavors and cherish them for what they're worth it's like nice never answer. compare two marriages right they are both distinct and both good marriages <laughs> So that's I like what the I like the analogies. So let's not look too much in the future. Let's just look at this year, which is 2022. What to you are going to be key trends in 2022 in beauty as a category? I would say three big trends for us to focus on, and probably trends that I guess everyone's looking at. Number one, if you see around yourself, there's clearly a trend in the post-COVID world towards minimalism, where people are genuinely wanting to embrace less is more, right? whether it's with their skincare rituals life wanting to bring in simplicity so clearly there is a large trend around there second is i think in the post covid world how we shop and transact has taken a big shift so more time spent in home and that does fundamentally change your consumption habits right so all categories which had a lot of exhibitionism a lot of going out being you know literally which leveraged on being going out and about today there is a lot of time being spent in home so therefore indulgence is much more which is in home earlier if you see even within beauty and personal care there was a huge impetus towards transformational beauty in the post covid world i would say one big change is people are really seeking to change from within they are trying to embrace slow gradual but lasting and i think that itself is quite a big shift as well then overall if you see it's holistic wellness which is a big theme that's coming in as well where you do want to see the overall impact on yourself and last not the least is again tech and how much tech can liberate you in terms of how you transact how you shop how well you know yourself i think tech is a huge game changer today where it allows you to make better purchase journeys allows you to have considerations where tech is a massive enabler so i think tech is really at the heart of a lot of what we're doing today and what consumers also expect out of you right So I think those are some of the big trends that I see around me. It's interesting you mentioned tech and, and let me take that a little ahead. Uh data, I mean one difference between the way you would have built businesses earlier and uh, what you will do now is really the consumer data that you have at your disposal now which is the way what you would have had, had earlier, right? So how would you look at that and how is that space going to, you know, impact the way that you uh do at your at your business ramesh i wouldn't give you a long and boring answer let me give you a short and real analogy you know two decades ago you broke an ad you thought you made a commercial which was the yash chopra of tv advertising right and you would have to wait for a month for someone to call you and say oh wow look at the sales uplift kya ad banayi hai versus now the moment a commercial goes live or a campaign goes live or if you have a good digital campaign that goes live instantaneously you're able to see the movement in search downloads transactions real time right and even when things don't move you're able to see the fact that there is a plateauing it's not probably moving as much as you would have liked the fact that you have access to real time data with inputs which allows you to iterate test and learn do a lot of ab testing to say this works this doesn't i think is a game changer 
And second area where I think tech has really changed the game is even in the way consumer inciting and foresighting had been visualized. You know, from going in the past to sitting with a bunch of people and asking them, "What do you think?" and then hearing a group echo a, a point of view, versus really reading the search data where a consumer is actually searching for a problem that she's not discussing, but it probably is closeted, right? So you really get intimate with consumers in a way that you never have. So you are able to capitalize on rising trends. You're able to capitalize on problems that they are seeking, which which they're probably not verbalizing. And many many categories, like which I think have benefited immensely from this, are categories which were fundamentally closeted, right? And I think sexual wellness is a great example of how you can see the category take a leapfrog in an environment where no one's watching you, right? So I think that's where it's a big game changer. Okay, we dive into our final section, our lifestyle section. A business leader that you really admire. What are those qualities in him or her that really stand out and you hope to emulate? I think there are many business leaders I really admire. But uh, as I was growing up, Gopal was one of my favorite business leaders who I had a chance to work with. And what I loved about him was the ease with which his brain used to work from left brain to right brain. But his ability to be able to switch gears to suit the audiences was amazing. And I think that. ability to be a chameleon in every audience is a beautiful quality that i personally admire greatly what about uh, music that you listen to what's on your playlist right now and you know you're in concerts don't you uh, post covid post baby i'm sure it's difficult but uh, otherwise i still managed <laughs> i think we did manage to see you too <laughs> when that happened in the pre covid world i think just about but uh, you know there are many on my bucket list that i'd given amana like to watch like take me for a roger water concert i'll go in a breath and coldplay i think will probably be in top 3 lists of every person but uh, music on my playlist i absolutely love sufi music i think it really calms me it's probably why i even name my daughter sufi <laughs> so that's really the music that i love So, what a lovely name! A book that has made or left an impact on you, and why that book is has done so. Actually, there are many, many books. You know, I fundamentally love reading, but uh, professionally, if you ask me, I really enjoyed eating the big fish. You know, because it really helped me learn challenger mindset at a time when I had spent a lot of my time working in organizations where we were market leaders. So, just to be able to embrace a new thinking. was interesting. I think the other book which is another book that I cherish a lot is Founders Mentality. I think the fact that it teaches you to embrace a mindset of insurgence is something that I again cherished a lot. And last not the least uh, I think The Little Prince. I love it, love it, love it even today because it always makes me have a twinkle in my eye when I read it. Antoine Saint Exupéry. <laughs> yes. So it's quite timeless. Oh, okay, sport that you follow or your favorite player player in the sport if you have you know sport that i follow i amongst the spectator sports i would say tennis is a sport that i've had the privilege of watching thanks to my stint in l'oréal in paris so i did see the roland garros up close and personal so that was quite a privilege and i think from a sportsman uh, lens i think i'm a die hard nadal fan because uh, i love his indomitable spirit and whether it's him or it's djokovic i think i'd love their energy i love their spirit but i think to be honest anyone who loves tennis can not not love federer so i think it's that holy trinity on a different day you love a different guy but all three of them have are like probably the best tennis players this generation's ever going to see so love definitely it. love watching them your favorite vacation spot and why you love going there you know i was uh, really fortunate you know to have had the chance to go to latam before we embraced parenthood right because it's as far as it gets so i personally loved colombia and i love the spirit the energy the happiness and the you know just the joy of being in that place i i in fact not just colombia i really enjoyed all of latam that i experienced between peru bolivia colombia but that is a continent that i generally feel has a happiness quotient and people up in the bubble despite not having so much you know that may seem very obvious 
It really, really is a charming place to be. If you had to invite two famous people to dinner, who would they be? You know, one would be Michelle Obama. I really, really, I'm a fan of hers. You know, and would that's another book becoming which I really loved. You know, so I would love to have her. And the other person, now uh, you may find intriguing, would be actually Priyanka Chopra, another firecracker of a woman who I absolutely love for her journey. You know, so clearly both women, but both the women who are as different as it get, but have the commonality of. being quite barrier busting in their own journeys yep uh, got to love pc got to love michelle yeah. sitcom so, it's amazing it's amazing to see how you're not only creating strong and iconic digital first brands but you're also an inspiration to a lot of young women out there who aspire to be ceos one day that's truly awesome thanks so much for being on the show i loved conversing with you guys thank you so much for the opportunity ramesh your questions uh, were always very poignant you know he would think reflect and then ask but made up for a very good conversation and we love the fact and love love what you said about the insurgent mind, mindset no i i will be taking some of your advice and i'll be listening to this conversation again before i take up my next assignment do something different <laughs> totally well <laughs> what what a pleasure thank you so much for the opportunity i absolutely love connecting with you guys with that it's time to wrap up another episode of season 2 but not before i remind you to come back to hear and learn from another major business leader next week yeah and we all not only ask them uh, pure business questions we also learn from them and have tons of fun thanks for tuning in guys and make sure you keep listening to some great radio and podcasts and build that habit minding my business the ceo story shall be back with another captain of the industry who's been a path breaker remember you can catch us on 94.3 radio 1 on fm radio and on hd smartcast and podcast form over all major streaming platforms this is a radio 1 production so till next week it's bye from me rishi k and me ramesh men and see you soon This was a Radio One production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.